Joycelyn Chong left a thriving corporate career to enter the entrepreneurial world. Leaving behind the complexities of corporate politics, she embarked on a journey as a business growth coach. In this episode, you will learn how Joycelyn's experiences shaped her approach and discover her insights on navigating challenges and fostering success for businesses. She has a passion for unlocking potential and is dedicated to helping businesses thrive without compromise. I think the first half, the first decade was amazing. There's a lot of buzz. You, you're climbing the corporate ladder. You're winning accolades and awards and recognition. And, you know, at the time when I was um, in corporate, you know, people love the energy. I love the energy. I love being in corporate. I love running huge meetings, presenting to a large group of people, running huge projects. But the last quarter of my career, that was where I started to see things with my own eyes that leaders are not treated well. And that's where I started to go, there must be more than this. Because I reached a ceiling of my earning capacity. I also reached a ceiling where the next opportunity that I would apply for, I'm fighting with two other thousand people. So it becomes like, you know, you're really thinning out. And it's like when you apply for a state role, there's only five of them. So you kind of like work triple the energy, the time, the effort, but you don't quite know. And also it's not just the work, it's how well you play politics. Even if you choose not to play, you are a silent player. And so there's so much elements and factors that play into it behind the scenes to move up the corporate ladder. And I decided that, look, you know what, I'm going to collate all the beautiful energy, qualifications, skills that I've got, and then, you know, put that into my private practice and help more people and have more time and freedom in my own hands. And so I can cut out all the layers that I don't need to cut I don't need to go through every single day because a lot of times I notice that you work, but you're busy for someone's expectation and you're as good as whether they like it or not. And if they don't like you for your looks, then that's not going to work. Sometimes we just don't like people that are better than them. And in corporate, it's always they don't like you when you're too smart full of ideas, you want to offer your perspective. It's like, no, shut up. They want to lead. And so you kind of, I'm creative. I want to do more things. I want to, you know, think outside the box. And even though they always suggest that you think outside the box because senior leaders want you to do that because they want to grow the talent. But the middle management is like, oh no, you're going to be better than me and you're going to take my job. And if I support you, I will lose my job because I'm in a cushy part now. Like, you know, I'm earning well. I've got, you know, mortgage to pay, kids education to fund, um, a lifestyle that I need to maintain. So I don't want you to be too smart. So, yeah, so that can be the issue um, moving into the corporate ladder. But I worked it out that, you know, you got a choice. Sometimes people are the breadwinner. And they need to really, really build that up. Um, and they, they don't have the option to move out as, you know, conveniently as they want it to be. Or sometimes they attempted it. But 
again, setting up your own practice is a whole other set of skills that you need to acquire. And it takes time to unlearn things that you know to really pursue, take risks, explore, test and learn, make lots of mistakes, but really fail forward. And so again, that's another set of challenge. It's like not right or wrong. It's what you craft out your path to be. And so it's, yeah, I think it's a choice and a decision that you have to make. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned those office politics, because even though I've only briefly worked in a corporate role, I saw those same politics happening. You come in, you're young, you're smart, you know a bit more about something, especially when I was entering the workplace, computers were becoming main like state. So there was no more kind of paper going around and all that kind of stuff is all digital and knowing how to work the digital bits such as Excel and all these softwares was beyond some people's realm of existence. You know, they've been working in this environment for 20 years where a computer was just typing things up or you get your assistant to do it. And there was a lot, there was a big bank of admin workers and suddenly that work had shifted to you. So you get the higher pay. But like you said, those middle managers are like, well, you know, as long as I'm keeping the team doing what they're meant to do, I can kind of like shut off the bits that aren't for me. And, and there's a, a writer that I really, really like called Robert Greene. And in one of his books, he's written a, a fair few books, but he's got a book called The 48 Laws of Power. And one of the laws is don't outshine the master. And so when you are trying to climb up that corporate ladder, unless that person is also climbing up, they'll bring you up with them. But if, if those two moments don't collide and you're doing better than them and the person above them sees like, hey, this guy's way better than you suddenly like you said they do you down or you know they've got their own insecurities and you know a fragile ego and I, i'm really happy that you said to yourself do you know what i can play this game but now i've reached such a level where playing this game is no longer fun or fair you're like i have to get out of this so i'm wondering what was the first day like where you were officially out of the corporate job had you done like a nice kind of transition? Because, you know, a lot of people say have six months of expenses saved up and have your first few clients to make sure that you're all right. Or did you kind of just go, can't take any more cold turkey. I'm out the door. Let's see what the world is saying for entrepreneurship. I, I love a bunch of questions in there. So let me break it down. And I hope that I remember every single part of it. <clears throat> but the, the, the ones that stood out for me, yes, you definitely need a huge financial runway. Because when you transition across, again, you're setting things up. You know, you got to make sure that you're registering your um, business and everything has got a cost attached to it. And so it's important to make sure that a lot of people don't think about that. But building that financial runway is really important. I actually advise people, if you can, to have at least a year's worth of saving like the current level of spending that you do have at the minimum because you don't want to have the stress and think that I need the client and then the desperate energy just oozes out every single conversation you have with your clients. The next thing is to make sure that you do have a plan and you do have a mentor that really helps you think different, a mentor that is already out of corporate, almost went through the same pathway, but a hit by 20 to 50 steps, not 10, because sometimes they're still learning and they still have not unlearned. So ideally, maybe a hundred steps ahead, a thousand steps ahead. And so they have made sufficient mistakes to let you know as well. And then you will have to separate yourself from a lot of people that actually 
was your friends, they they believe in you, but now you're doing something so different that they, their brain is trying to tell you, why do you do that? Why do you leave a stable job? Why do you do such a big, huge jump? And so you have to really manage and really identify all those conversations because you're going to do something that you want, but they may not support it. And so you need to find a network that absolutely support that as well. And that is important because that journey of transition, a lot of people around you may feel uncomfortable. And if they are not secure in themselves, those things will emerge out as well. And that can break a lot of friendships. And so think about that because at the end of the day, you are the you know average of five people that you surround yourself with. And so be very intentional to really find people who have done that, support you, want to see you succeed in the, the opposite side of the coin. The other area that is really important that you want to know, entrepreneurship has got a different set of skill sets, which means you have to be willing to test and learn. You will not know the answers. And so it is a journey of the unknown. But you got to have a vision that is stronger, that you will succeed no matter what, because you will. There's a lot of people out there who has already succeeded and they can show you. But you just got to find that people. And so you will need to take risks. That means that you have to unlearn everything that you knew or feel very comfortable with. Because when you work in corporate sector, you're conditioned to operate in certain levels. And let me share with you a couple of those limiting thoughts and habits that I have to unlearn. So in corporate, even though I was in a very senior level, I always need to ask for approval for the next project, uh, ask working group to sign off different things, legal, um, different department from finance or you know from project space, from um, different stakeholders. But when you run your own business, you are the CEO. You make that decision and that is quick. And so I had subtly, unconsciously waited for an approval. But that is so not required. And so I had to recognize that in myself and go, no, I don't need to wait for external approval. But that was such a habit and a way of working already. And so that was unlearning that and knowing that that is important. The other area was because I needed to know all the how in the past because they wanted us to follow the procedures, the policy. And so when you set up the business, you almost want to know what are all the how. But it's actually a very limiting thought in the world of entrepreneurship. It's asking, who do I know? Who can I ask for guidance and um, knowledge or, you know, um, wisdom or you know what they have done because it's not all the how you create the how as an entrepreneur that's why there's no right manual to do that you create that because you are the creator of the content of the program of the product of the service and you get to choose however you want yes there is a guideline there's a framework there's a methodology around it but at the same time being an entrepreneur is that's where it's creative you get to do something that someone has never seen before and you allow your creative mind to explore and to really expand your perspective 
And so allowing yourself to do that and having that quiet space to do that is really important because you need white space to let your mind explore, dream, and be willing to fail forward and test quickly and fast because you will make a lot of mistakes in the, at the start, like anything, you know. Have you ever remembered the last time or the first time you learned how to ride a bike, you know, skate or ski? You, you fall a few times, you learn from that and you pick yourself up again but over time you get that skill and so equally is the same thing and so I think thinking about that way of um, all right who do I know not all the how and who do I need to be what are the values and setting up your own values is really important because working in the corporate sector I was in senior leadership therefore I embody the company's value I represent the company's value and I was holding a license from my regulator to practice as well, which means I need to follow all the ethical conducts, you know, all the um, list of requirements to sign off and disclose every single year because of the nature of the licensing um, practice that I held on to. But I didn't have to hold on to those because I surrendered that back to the regulator, which means I need to understand what are my values and then from there embody that and then I can set up my own company and practice. But that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. And there's so much of self-discovery along the way. And, you know, the more you're willing to be self-aware, receive feedback from the right source and trusted advices, the quicker you will learn, you will grow, you will expand but on the other side there is just a different set of journey that's what you know I'm trying to um, conclude here for this question because it is all the journey of exploratory yeah and and you spend that time kind of making sure you're aware of what's going to be you know coming up against you all these kind of challenges all this kind of difficulty and you say to yourself right I need to know what it is well not exactly what I'm going to do but who I am and how I enter the kind of entrepreneurial space and something that you kind of mentioned earlier on was about you know taking your time back and so I'm wondering for you how can you structure your time as an entrepreneur so that you're not working all the time you know get the the best out of your time because I I know personally I've done it loads where I've been working 18 to 20 hour days just because I'm like I have so much to do I need to get it done but I'm sure there's a well Obviously, now I know better ways, but I'm sure you have a different way to organize your time that's probably a lot more structured than me going, right, I'm doing my eight hours or nine hours and I'm clocking off. The rest can get done tomorrow. I need to have sustained energy over time as opposed to getting everything done sort of 50% today, you know? So a couple of things that um, stood out in that question. Number one, your energy. All of us needs to understand who we are, where we are in terms of our energy. For me, like I said, um, I'm really good in the morning, but towards the evening, I'm not as best in my energy. So knowing, all right, that's where I focus on tasks that are money-making activities because my energy is good. I'm serving my clients. I have great conversations. Towards the end of the day, can you do tasks that are more mundane? That could be something that you reorganize your day based on your energy level. Number two is you want to know how many hours you want to work in your week. For me, I work four days a week only in my business because I want freedom and I want to have time. And so, but those hours that I work, 
I work on quality. And so at the start, you might be, there's tons of things to do when you are setting up your business. But I have worked out because I have led financial advisors from corporate to set up their own practice in my former career and um, banking. I have witnessed that, you know, the first 100,000, what do you need to focus on? The first 500,000, what do you need to focus on? The first million, what do you need to focus on? Every single milestone requires a different set of skills, a different set of thinking style. The actions that you take will be very, very different. And so if you know that journey and that path, you will get the support, you get the knowledge, you get to unlearn, you get to know what took me to 500,000. It will not get me to a million because I can't use the same method. I can't use the same strategy. I can't use the same funnel. And so thinking about, all right, what do I need to think differently? And so stages are very important to know. And then the other thing is to know your time management skills. So if you are someone who really want to get good in terms of what you do. You want to deepen your skill sets rather than doing everything. And then you are so spread in your energy, you're not going to get the best outcome. So delegate. If you don't enjoy it, find a VA who can actually help you cover that side of things. If you are someone who's really good in speaking, speak the most, maybe 70%, 80% of the time because that's where your natural skill is. You don't even need to think. You can speak about any topic that is brought up because that's your expert authority already. So think about being in a zone of genius, your superpowers as much as you can, and then outsource that because there's so many support um, team that we can hire. Like I have got a full-time VA that works in my business. And so a lot of things that are mundane, they're boring, they're not my um, type of work that I enjoy, they're outsourced. And so I think it's really important to surround yourself with people who can complement your skill sets and cover those gaps for you. And here's one other area that I want to point out. There are certain CEOs that are so good in certain things that they are unwilling to let go because they don't trust people. And it's so important to learn to trust your people and to train them to do those work so that it gives you the opportunity to do what else that can grow your business. Be willing to do that because a lot of people aren't willing to delegate the task because they go, I know how to do it so well. No one can do it like I do it. But if you train them and you get an A minus rather than a triple A, it's okay. But you can always test and learn and refine that along the way to make it the best and as you go along, like anything, is test and learn, is test and learn, refining that. And I've seen that and witnessed that for a lot of entrepreneurs who are in the business for 10 years, 18 years, 15 years. That's why they're so good in what they do because the way they teach something is the same. They just presented it 50,000 times in different ways to speak to the world's population of 7.8 billion. So it's just being willing to, to think differently and to evaluate that can help you tremendously in terms of your time management and learn about time management skill. 
like get good in managing your calendar. Um, I tend to teach and also ask my clients about color coding your calendar. If you think about, all right, what you do best and what is the areas that you need to focus on? Let's say green is a money-making activity. Is your calendar flooded with green color? If not, then you got to think, what am I spending my time on? It's good to audit your time. If you look at the last five days of your time as an entrepreneur and you take five minutes to audit that, what are you doing? And I use my calendar really well if that's not plugged into my calendar, which means I've got an open space. And so, but that's a discipline that I've always had in corporate as well. If you want to have a meeting with me, whether it's 15 minutes, half an hour, it's in my calendar. If not, then you got to find time in the calendar. So have that discipline equally as an entrepreneur as well, rather than having it, you know, free and easy. You do need white space for free and easy to manage your calendar. But, you know, once it's in your calendar, you know exactly how much time you allocate it to. I also want to point this out. A lot of people stay in the overwhelm. So they go, oh, you know what, this task might take a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of my resource. And you think... Actually, it might take you 45 minutes only. If you plug that in your calendar and you put that on the timer of your iPhone or Samsung, whichever phone you use, and you allow yourself 45 minutes to focus, focus time, no distraction, all notifications turn off, you might get a lot of outcome and product from that. And also it's a good discipline. So yeah, there's quite a few things that are pointed out there in your big question. Oh yeah. I mean, you've got to ask big questions to get the big answers. And there you've just given us all these kind of tools and techniques to make sure that we're using our time to the best way possible. And I'm glad you mentioned your business because that is actually what I was hoping to get onto next. So you are doing business, sorry, growth, business, consulting, consulting, business growth, whichever way around we, we throw the words, but you're doing growth coaching for businesses, right? What does that look like and what kind of people do you work with? Because I've had a fair amount of coaches on here. And one thing that I've learned over time is, you know, good coaches will select the right clients and the right clients need the right coach. You know, not every coach is for every person, et cetera, et cetera. So talk me through that. Who is your ideal person? What are they doing? And what do you do for them? So I really like the first part of your question because there is a lot of business coaches out there. And as you know, and I work with thousands of them, what I've noticed is everyone will call themselves a business coach. And it is important if you, as a listener, um, looking for a business coach, I want to address that you look for the criteria that you need because every business coach might come from different experience. Some of them never actually coached someone before, but they felt that one day they had run a business and they want to coach someone, right? And they might have certain skill sets. And so... It's important to know when you hire someone, you know the criteria you're looking for to help you expand as a business individual or a business team to grow to the next five levels or seven levels. And so I have witnessed over time that once you know the criteria and when you go into a consultation call to identify whether they are the right fit for you and you're right fit for their program, you got so much more clarity. And you might want to list out, you know, five to seven criteria that you want to 
grow that you are yet to have those skill sets. And I always want to bring back those skill sets because number one, your business coach should empower you with skills. Because once you have the skills, you can repeat and can grow from that skills. And if you're reliant on your business coach to do everything for you, then you're dependent on them. You're relying on someone else's knowledge to move the needle forward. So it's really important to know, right, how can I get the skills? What sort of knowledge? What sort of areas that they have done and exposure they have got or qualifications they have known or skills or techniques that I want to learn? And then I can pull that together and make it my unique own as a business owner. So... Finding that match is important. Number two, when I think about, all right, over the years, I have grown as a business coach. Technically, I've been in business coaching for over 20 years because in corporate, a segment of my KPI is coaching my advisors and I lead a wealth management team. I look after a couple billion dollars in funds under management and so I'm responsible for $25 million a year in generating revenue itself. And so managing up to close to 38 people, 40 people, I need to know management skills. I need to know how to coach them. And individually, they have different set of skills, knowledge, background, sometimes years of service as well. And so business coaching is what I focus on, but I focus mainly on three key areas. Mindset, business mindset, the sales of your business, and then the leadership of the individual. Why I am passionate about those three areas is because if you get the right thoughts and mindset, then you got the right energy, you enjoy it, and you can produce actions and you get the results that you want. Because your thoughts create your results. That is, you know, the formula of success. If you think well, you feel it into it, you take the right actions, you learn quickly from it, you get the results that you want. So knowing yourself, the inner work is so important. And I teach and I help, especially female from corporate sector. My best clients are female who are already in the corporate sector at least of a decade or more, and they are looking for opportunities outside because they want to expand, they want to have a lifestyle and raise a family and still run their own private practice, or they want to explore. You know, it might be working in a corporate sector and they want to be a personal branding photographer because they they love the creative side of things. Or I have clients that are trained as a hypnotherapist and they want to be a chronic pain specialist and they want to create a program and they want to know how to do that. I have clients who are interior designers. They are working for someone in the corporate sector, but now they want to come out and create their own interior designer practice. And you know, a variety of those that come from corporate work for someone else, but now they want to take those skill sets and they want to build that on their own. So that is the sweet spot that I love working with. And usually they range around the age of 35 to 45 when I do my analysis. Those tends to come into my space and scope. And so again, that group of people, they are in that stage. They just still have a burning desire. They want to you know, earn more than the income ceiling that they have reached in the corporate sector and they can triple and quadruple that and you know, make even more money from that. 
The next part is they want to learn more about leadership because they might have influence in leadership in the work they do. But a lot of times when you are an entrepreneur, you have to lead. You have to lead the client in the meeting. You have to lead the conversation. You have to lead the conversation with the the vendors that you work with. So it's a lot to do with self-awareness, how you lead any conversation. And you've got to run your own team, whether you have a small team a VA, or you have, you know, accountants, lawyers working alongside you. And those are leadership skills. But leadership skills are not taught. They, a lot of times, a lot of people aren't aware of what leadership skills are. So I teach those as well because I was in leadership, you know, from a very early stage of my life, you know, in, in my teenage years, I was very blessed. I was part of a lot of club activities. So I was, you know, named as president and led a lot of just, you know, voluntary leadership roles. And that gave me a lot of exposure to lead others. And I enjoyed that. So I teach that in my practice as well. So those are the key areas that I love. And the sales part, I teach around sales because ultimately all of us are talking to someone and we are actually letting them know that we have a service or a product that is in their best interest that will help their life be better. It's as simple as that. To me, sales is that translation. I've got something that will help you get you better, faster results. Whether you're feeling better, whether you get more time back, whether you save more, you pay your loan faster, you're protected, those are the outcome that you get because I'm part of your life and I help you with that. So sales is not icky. A lot of times people think that sales is, you know, icky, graspy and desperate energy. If it's done the wrong way, it is those energy. But if it's done with the heart of compassion, kindness, and truly in the service of someone else, it's going to be great. Is, is, is sales in my view. And so I teach them around managing the pipeline, how to get the right clients into the pipeline, how to serve the client and delivering great, excellent customer service as well. Because we want to work with people that we like a lot of times. Um, people don't sometimes think about that metrics at all. They want to serve everyone. But if you serve with the group of people that you absolutely love serving, it's a whole nother level of energy. You're not chasing, you're not dealing with complaints, you're not dealing with all the mind dramas and all that. Why not use your energy? Because your energy is such precious asset to you. So is your time. And so that is the short answer to the big question that you've got. Yeah, I mean, you can call it a short answer if you want. I'm sure there's a lot more that you could have packed into that, but it was great to kind of see that you have a system and kind of three key principles that you're looking to help people with, because, you know, without sales, your business is going to die without the right mindset. You're not going to be able to get anything done and having leadership, the right kind of leadership is important. Like the person who's able to start a business and get it from zero to one, isn't necessarily the person who's able to get it from one to a hundred, but you're still in charge of the business, but you're more so kind of just, you know, like herding sheep as opposed to out hunting every day, if you know what I mean. So what kind of things do you suggest when it comes to 
getting a leadership team in. Let's say we've got an entrepreneur out there. They've been a solopreneur for a while and they're looking for that first hire. What are the kind of things we should be looking for in this person with the view to the fact that this person might be leading a team in the future? Absolutely. Great question. So before you look into hiring someone else, you want to know what you are so good in doing, what are your superpowers, and then outsource that. Do an analysis, and here's what I I do for my clients, is that I'm an eDisc accredited practitioner. eDisc is a behavioral profiling tool. You can do the assessment for under 15 minutes, and I can distribute and um, debrief the report and you know where your zone of genius is. And when you can operate from your zone of genius, you hire people to help complement the skill sets. And that helps you. The more you are willing to accept who you are, then you can really start to look into hiring someone else who can step in for that. For example, I'm a people person, so systems, and Excel spreadsheet, I could do it. I could do it well, but do I really want to do it? Because I'm good with people. I can communicate all day and talk and coach and it doesn't drain me. But if I have to sit down and do all the systems and all that, I can do it, but it takes maybe 300% of my energy and my time to produce the same thing. And do I want to do that? Because that's not, not my happy space. So always find out for yourself and do this evaluation. What is in your happy zone? What you don't enjoy doing? And then find people that can compensate those gaps for you. VAs, so many VA companies that are available out there that you can start to hire. You no longer have to hire I mean, if you, you know, support a global perspective, you know, there's a lot of you know, VAs in South America, in the, the Philippines that, um, that are available. They are, you know, $9 USD that you can hire for an hour and they could do so much for you. They're well-trained, they speak English. And if you get the right company that they train those people because they have a system already, you get a lot of great results and outcome from that. And so think about how you can outsource those things. Make a list, make a clear list how you can outsource that to them and make a list of the steps and outcome that you want them to do and deliver as well. Because sometimes you outsource something without the clarity and the results that you are looking for. And then you go, I'm not happy with the results because I hired you to do that. But then equally, it is your responsibility to let them know what you want, because if you don't articulate what you want, then you're not going to get the results that you're hoping to achieve. And so that's really important as well. When you hire, make sure you take the time to interview three to five people, get to understand, and then make the decision Don't hurry the decision. There's not a need to hurry and hire someone quickly. Maybe a couple of options in terms of hiring. Interview them. Ask them, you know, what they're good at, what their skills. Maybe ask for, you know, some case studies that they have done before. Usually companies can really offer that, especially VA companies. I've known, you know, five, six of them and I refer to different people in my network um, as well. And then you also need to give them your own standard operating procedure because nobody can read your mind. This is something that a lot of entrepreneurs go, I know it in my head, 
but it doesn't translate out on paper. And so there's a miscommunication and then the results is not where it wants it to be. And then there's a lot of conflict and chaos in that relationship and strain the relationship. So it's really important that you document down exactly what you want so that someone else can also produce that results for you. And then number three is to make sure that, you know what, if you, so a couple of things, when you are as a solo entrepreneur, you should have a legal team as well because, you know, terms, agreement, copyright, intellectual property, you might want to engage someone to help you out with that. Um, accounting, um, bookkeeping, um, that's important so that you can manage your business expense and income coming through if that's not your skills. And even if that's your skill and you're an accountant, you still have an accountant doing your numbers for you as well. So those are the areas that I think you can start looking into hiring and um, expanding your team because they are your team and, and they are people. Like in Australia, they are, they are my team. I've got them. I'm surrounded by them because I know that, number one, they will get the right outcome for me, for my business, and they will support me as well. And um, in terms of hiring as well, sometimes you can test, like anything, if you work in the corporate sector, you are given in Australia three to six months, depending on the seniority of your role, a probation period. Equally, you can do that as well if you run a practice. And so if you're running a practice, then maybe you can go, can we test this for three months and see how we are going to be a right fit for each other. Because sometimes you test and learn and there's just energy is not gelling and there's nothing that's really moving forward. Then at least you have that space and term to go, this is not working out. Hire slow, fire fast. Hire slow, fire fast. Be willing to let people go. That's, that's, work that space but you can do it with compassion when you let people go you don't have to be rude you don't have to be abrasive you don't have to do it in a way that is hurting the other party but you can let people go graciously and communicate that clearly and that can be done because the reality of life in any business you will have to let people go at some point but it's how you do it. The art of behinding, behind how you let people go is important. Does it help? Yeah. I mean, you've got to be really, really careful when you're hiring people because there is a cost, but also there's the idea that this person will hopefully benefit your business. So I'm glad that you were able to kind of make it clear for the people out there that there is a kind of system that you can go through and there's the idea of keeping people on probation, but also not keeping them around too long on the hope that they might get better. Because, you know, in an ideal world, everybody wants to keep their job. Not everybody works the best in certain roles. And, you know, risky when you're running a business, if you're not making money, then you're losing money. And that's a terrible place to be. But one thing I've kind of picked up on the process of our conversation or over the process of our conversation is that you, you know a lot of things. So I feel like you've done a lot of like learning and, you know, kind of self-study. Where do you do most of your self-study? Is it books, podcasts, YouTube? Like, how do you learn all these things that you know? All of the above. <laughs> that you said. <laughs> so, when I was in corporate, I was always hungry for knowledge. And so, I learned from cassette tapes. I don't know if you're as old as I am. But, you know, those days when you, you get have- them in a big binder and then you <laughs> have to switch to tape two, tape three. Yeah. So 
All my life, I had started with learning from cassette tapes before podcasts existed. <laughs> and I used to follow John Maxwell's leadership materials for years and years and years and years. And then gradually, I expanded to different um, membership that sends me books to read every month, two books to read. And then I attended and invested a lot in personal development program. I've just had this desire that I was very much focused on in this role, what else can I do really well? And what else can I grow and then apply for the next role? Because I had this mindset that my, my weekends used to be so boring for 20 years. I would be willing to spend time investing thousands of dollars to learn on weekends. Whereas my friends would be willing to go out and hang out and have fun. And I had this thought at the time, I will have fun after my 40s. And that's true because I invested in my earlier years as much qualifications, energy, studies. And I used to do my MBA full-time while I was working full-time. And my weekends would be like producing assignments, doing research, sitting for exams. But I was willing to do that because I knew that if I get that, you know, in the early stages of my career, I also set that foundation and I also learned the skills. And here's the tip. Nobody's going to really tell you every secret they know. Because you got to discover that yourself. And, you know, people might give you subtle tips and all that. Very few people want to share their secret sauce. And so you got to learn and you got to be willing to put in the time, really. And so weekends when my friends would go out, I might go for a two, three hour workshop and invest that time. I would, I'm, I'm someone who is willing to invest tens of thousands of dollars into a program and learn and grow and do something that shocks my system. I remember in 2014, 15, I invested 10,000 in a five-day program. It's deep immersion. And I was like the most junior of all. And I was like with all the CEOs and board members. But my brain was so painful because obviously they think at that level and I had not had enough exposure. So when I was doing all the assignments, I had to do more work to study. But I think if you do that, you learn so much more. And then when you are in the situation, your nervous system can manage that a lot better. And so that was my exposure. And I was also hiring my executive coach earlier. And a lot of Times I think if you're willing to spend your own money, you pay more attention to what you are learning. And I was paying at that time for, I think it was um, maybe three months for six grand to, to get an executive coach to like point me out, especially in the hiring space, how to hire, how to manage a team, how to get results. And that year my team was outperforming like, 80% of my team was in the conference and they were receiving recognition and award on stage. But that's because I was like doing the work behind the scenes and I know that there will be a reward coming through. 
and sorry. It was just all these things that I was doing behind the scenes. And I learned that from, you know, John Maxwell's books and a lot of, you know, the people in his network that are willing to like move faster, grow, learn. Um, and, you know, I fail a lot of times. Like I made so, a lot of mistakes, but I process it and then move forward. I think that if you ever have a failure plan and you think about if I fail this, how do I process and what can I learn from this lesson quick and fast, you can move forward to the next thing quicker and faster. And that helps you manage and follow through with things as well. Because sometimes we're afraid of failure, so we don't do the thing. And so that keeps us away from what's on the other side of the coin as well. But if you're willing to do that, it makes a huge difference in your life. Sorry, I fail a lot, but I learn quick and fast as well in my life. Yeah, and it goes back to what you're saying in the beginning. It's kind of self-auditing, making sure that you're keeping track of what's going well and what's not working and, you know, improving on the things that aren't working and, you know, carrying on doing the things that are going well. I'm also kind of wondering, do you have a book that kind of changed your mindset or your view on your business completely because some people that I've spoken to are always like this book is what changed my life or that book is what changed my life and I'm wondering for someone like you who's done so much learning and so much kind of self-development was there a book that changed your view on life let me answer your question this way a different season of my life I've got different books that carried me through so I went to New Zealand in 2000 and I spent a month there traveling. And at the time, my friend that I traveled with suggested that I read this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. So I started reading that book. And then he goes, if you read this book, you will read this book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So that was the starting point. And then I was introduced to a lot of John Maxwell leadership books, you know, 15 Laws of Leadership, all sorts of leadership book. And then it progressed over time. Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. So how to influence people? Because I was in a lot of work. I have clients walking in every single day. I've got to influence them. I've got to sell you know, products. And I was responsible for 15 products at the time in banking. And so how do I influence them and let them know that these products are non-tangible? Like they cannot see the product. And that means I was selling insurance, right? I'm selling like death cover or you know, um, health insurance. And people are like, I need to buy something, pay for it. I can't see the tangible. I hope that I don't make a claim because it would be painful on my body. But I got to actually influence them. So I was reading that book at that point in time. And then I have other books that came into mind. But another one is this Think and Grow Rich. Now, this is such Absolute an old classic. one. All right. I picked that up. So interesting. It is at an airport in Vanuatu that I picked up this book from like, you know, you can leave a book there because you don't want to take a book home. But I thought this must be like the earliest original edition and I kept it. And yeah. it's a great book. There's so many principles that I teach that I talk about from this book. Of course, there's new version of this book at the moment. If you, you know, find them on your bookstores in whichever country you're in. But that's a good one. Now I'm reading so many different books that, you know, it's on audio. And so along the way, I have got different books that play 
a different role influenced me differently. And um, one of the books that really stood out for me to think different about an awareness of limiting beliefs that I held on to was this book, Play Big by Tara Moore. And I think she might be from UK, maybe not. But I remembered I was reading that book while I was working. And in Melbourne, we have a tram. And I had to take the tram from one side of the town down the other side because I was heading into another meeting in another building. I was like glued to that book reading that. I was like, oh my God, I have never heard of this type of content before. And it was all to do with, you might have thoughts that really kept you small. And, you know, what if you know how to navigate through it? And almost every single chapter of that book, it was to do with how to step out of your comfort zone. Your dreams are outside of your comfort zone, which means you have to step out to get closer to your comfort zone. If you want to achieve your dreams and you're still in your you know, same space, you can't get there. So it was a lot to do with that growth, but that was a good switch into entrepreneurship, dealing with all my false beliefs that I held on to, that I thought that was the way of things and that was the blueprint of my life. And I used to plan my life five years ahead and like make it work. And I remember when I was 38 years old, I'm like, oh my God, I've achieved every single thing that I've written down. And it used to write what I wanted, quantify them, put them on my mirror and the front part of my wardrobe. Because every time, every morning, I'll look at that. Have I, have I achieved, have I got closer to that? And I've achieved them. I'm like, oh my God, what do I need to do next? And so I think it's, it's books, it's application, it's the subtle things that you do, is investing in yourself, is putting your money where you invest in yourself as well, separating yourself and connecting yourself with the right network because that's so important. The, the right network will influence you the right way. And I continuously grow out of my network to then grow into new networks because then they stretch your brain. And I'll meet people like this day and age. They'll be like, you know what? We can make offers. We make offers $500,000. And my brain will be like, it hurts. How do I com- compose all that? But when my brain starts to stretch that way, not in a painful way where you need Panadol or aspirin, but in a way that like, this is so interesting and fun. It's stretching into the creative side of things. That's where I I continue to expand my network. So yeah, books, plenty. And I hope that serves you if you, you know, pull out some of those because they are almost like what you need to read. The other thing that I might add is Zig Ziglar books was really good in terms of sales. Tom Hopkins as well helped me tremendously in sales. And um, there is this book by the Trillion Dollar Coach. So it's a book that was written by someone, I can't recall the name, it escapes me now, but it was the coach that coached people like Steve Jobs. And everyone is a coach. Think about this. The best baseball player, the best cricket player, the best tennis player in the world had a coach. 
still do. Because the coach is someone who will take you further, point out what you do really well, what you need to be challenged to do differently. And if you're having a coach by your side, that can make a huge difference. And then have a mentor. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. You mentioned some of the books there that are what I call the the starting of building a successful life for yourself, you know, how to win friends and influence people, think and grow rich. Those are great starting points. But once you branch out and find out what it is, where your curiosity is, like you said, there's so many books that you can, you know, read such as Caldini's influence and all these other books. And I, I, I do know what you're talking about. The guy who coached Steve Jobs and for the life of me, I can't remember him either, but he was saying how, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs need that kind of coaching, that guidance in order to get the best out of themselves. And, you know, the best coaches might have played, but, you know, the best coaches don't currently play because they're so good at watching the game and analysing it that they can also help you improve on your game. And so for me, I want to ask you a question that I ask to every guest, but it's also one that's, you know, very personal when you answer it. The question I want to ask you, Joycelyn, is... What is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Every time when I wake up in the morning, the part where I see people's life transform, that gives me so much joy and gratitude because my one of my greatest fear in life is that I did not leave a legacy to help someone else be better. And so when I was in corporate, I get to see that And I get to see why someone's life is better because I might help them create a retirement fund so that when they retire at 65, they have sufficient fund to live for the next 30 years based on life expectancy. I teach them financial skills so that they can manage their finances, so that they've got money in the bank account. They are not worried about money. Because money is a huge, huge thing that people are not taught in school. And so in banking and finance, I get to teach that. I get to teach my financial advisors to teach that to their clients. When I was a financial advisor at the start of my career, I teach my clients. And so teaching people skills like that gives me so much joy. And then when I coach my team, every time I coach them, so... When I was in corporate, I used to do this. In the morning, Monday, we have a group session, set up the expectations for the week. And then back to back, um, everyone has got half an hour every single week to ask me anything, anything in the business, how to deal with life, because sometimes life events come into your job as well. And, um, And then I do the same for my current clients as well. And that gives me so much joy because you watch their face change when you coach them. They can't see that all the time unless they're looking at the screen. But you know when there's a light bulb moment. You know when there's like, ah, I got you. And that gives me so much joy because I want to help as many lives as I can on my time on earth. I've just had that calling and that desire and Sometimes I question, I don't have to do any more because if I'm, I'm happy where I am, why do I need to work harder and more? But I just love helping another human being. I, it just is something that I just need to tick off every single day that I have had help at least one human being. Where can the people find you online? 
There's several ways to connect with me further. Number one, my website, so jocelynchong.com.au and I think that will be in the show notes. You can also find me on LinkedIn and you can also find me on Instagram. But LinkedIn would be also a great place to find me as well because most of you know your listeners are professionals as well. So those three avenues are where you can connect with me further and uh, I hope to, you know, serve your audience in, you know, bigger and better ways. And I hope that this message will be something that either spark, you know, um, something in your world and leave you to think more and reflect more. Or it might be something like a book that you want to read from what I talk about. It might be a um, time management, you know, tip that you took away from our conversation here. I just hope that this conversation serves um, your audience and it will continue to yeah spark more joy in their lives thank you for listening to people explained new episodes come out every monday we would appreciate it if you gave us a review on apple podcasts and shared this episode with a friend